Um, well, I, I mean, it all, it all, we all just left off. Anyway, first things first, um, David's been uh, off doing stuff and you come back, David. Thank God you're back. We've needed I'm you. Back. With Pod's ground to I'm not that bad, am I, Ned? No, but you and I... <laughs> is my company that bad? You and I, collectively, uh, over the last month, Pete, we've had a collective sort of output of one. <laughs> I think we just left it at 2003, and then you guys did Calpay. I miss Calpay. I'm gutted about that. Actually, I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah, not thir- gutted about Calpay. 13. 2013. Yeah. 13. David, yeah. We did we left halfway. It. We got to the first rest day in 2013, promising oh, everyone the second... Yeah. Promising everyone the second half. But we're not even going to do that now, because nah, that just feels like we're too long can't be bothered Missed no it. we'll do it at some point we'll definitely do it at some point because i did a bit of prep on that but um no mm. i left so david just so you know because you weren't in calpe um but i left last time i saw pete was in a car park really quite early with him and john mold loading up the the team cars to go out on a training ride and actually just like a word of seriousness here that l- i was just gonna go see you go home for a night and then i was gonna see pete in turkey and I literally, last thing I said to Pete was, have you seen the news? Boom. Um, uh, Tragic. About the earth- uh, beyond. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, and then I flew from Alicante back to London. And by the time I landed in London, I, I don't know, I had a bad feeling about the, the whole thing. And I messaged our contacts in, um, in Antalya. And I just said, listen, I hope you and your, you know, your friends mm. and your colleagues, I hope everyone's safe, actually. Even though I'd already figured out that Antalya was quite a long way from the epicenter, but you know, and um, he pinged a message back straight away saying, um, uh, "Yeah, just so you know, we're about to announce that the whole thing's cancelled," um, which is kind of devastating for 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 the race and obviously the right thing to do because it couldn't have gone on. But Pete, that must have like that must have triggered a, a series of kind of complete nightmares for you guys logistically and sorting everything out because everyone was about to go weren't they yeah it was a very hectic few days but with that it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things when you look at what the people in turkey and syria are going through after the earthquake and the images that we've all seen on twitter and so forth it's it really is just heartbreaking and hard to even watch and and never mind worry about a cycle race or what you've got a plan logistically but yeah from the team's point of view we got accepted into a great a race that starts tomorrow actually O gran camino a new race in mm. spain north spain you're in that. that yeah we are it's a big race for trinity really big race i mean antalya was a tour of antalya was as well but um at first when we got accepted the invite we were like how do we make this work because we really wanted to do it and obviously there was a lot going on with the training camp tour of Antalya at the time so then it all it was a yeah, a day spent working out logistics but then yeah it all all worked out so great race for the guys to get stuck into well what is the, where you know, is that race because I just heard about that yesterday as well it's uh, Galicia, Galicia. Oh, oh like as in Camino de Santiago Galicia sorry yeah yeah uh, the closest airport I think is La Coruna yeah. Oh, that would that, be hard. Would that be right? Yeah, especially at this time of yeah. year. Ooh. I think what? tomorrow is like 3,400 metres of climbing. Oh, Jesus. I'm not sure what the weather forecast is, but yeah, right, hard race to start off. Jonas Vinegard's there. Yeah, Jonas is making Primoz his... Primoz Roglic, maybe, is, is he there? Uh, don't know about Rogla, but it's definitely Jonas is the first... It's his first race, isn't it, of the year? Old, hmm. um, old sorry, Vinegard, yeah. And I, I genuinely... I mean, I've been sort of thinking about Tade Pogaccio and stuff, and it's only just occurred to me. Oh yeah, I haven't seen, haven't seen Vingegaard race at all. So I looked up, you know, on Pro Cycling Stats what his first race was, and it said 
this what's it called Camino oh Gran, Gran Camino, Camino. Uh, yeah uh, Valverde won it last year I think last year it's this is either its third year no it's his second this is well, it's it's only so last year was its first first year yeah but there's some good teams there movie star Jumbo Visma Astana Cofidis Escatal um, Trinity Cajaral Trinity Racing yeah. yeah I mean come on yeah so yeah. Mm. I'm looking but, at I mean nice way to start the season racing in the north of Spain but <laughs> but this is like this is kind of like needs some explanation for me David as a Spain as a resident of Spain what's mm. going on like there's a global recession everybody's you know it's all falling apart economically and yet last year the out of the blue you got this um Clásica Paraíso Cayenne mm. this this um gravel race that just happened a couple of weeks ago that Tadej Pogacar ripped everyone to pieces on saw that and, and that that was just a new race last year, and the Old Gran Camino was a new race last year, a stage race. How come that? Like, what's going on in Spain? How come they're doing all this? So uh, there is a. Well, culture. we're still in the EU, aren't we? Yeah, they? but I mean, there there yeah. is a culture of organising bike racing in Spain because back in the day, they used to be on like a regional stage race everywhere. You could do a full season in Spain back in the day, and it would all be on national TV. So I guess there is this sort of legacy of organisations. And as soon as they kind of rally and manage to get some funds, there is the goodwill of kind of local councils and and people to do it and the experience. So I guess they're just kind of chipping away and some some of these people persevere and get the money to do it because the skills are there. They know how to do it. It's not like battling in the UK to get a race kind of from scratch. You know, there is the history. There's You used to have kind of... If you think like literally every single region in Spain would have like a five-day stage race or a week-long stage race back in the day, and you just do the full season. So I guess there are still people that know how to do it and regions that still kind of remember it happening so they can they can do it. But yeah, there seems to be completely new races that are, that are kicking off, so it's pretty cool. I mean, it's great racing in Spain. Pretty weird name though, O Gran Camino. Camino. It's kind of like a branded name, O Gran Camino. Yeah. Yeah. O Gran Camino. Mm. Camino de Compostela. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> a, a little Latin face Probably nothing there. to do with that, but yeah, yeah. whatever. So, all right. Well, as has... So Spain's on the up. Yep. England is on the slight decline with also recently the cancellation of the Tour Series oh, this it? year. Oh, has it? To, it, to everyone's delight. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, 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 should, <laughs> on, I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say. I, I've derived great benefit from the Tour Series and presented many, many years the, the coverage. But... Um, it's felt, if I'm entirely honest, it has felt like a project that's founded a bit. You know, it used to be 10, 12 rounds long. And then, you know, for obvious reasons during COVID and stuff, it got shunted around. And I think the last one was like four or five. And it's uh, honestly, it's such a public, uh, a local authority funding model that it's mm. incredibly vulnerable to, you know, like councillors just just saying, what, 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 we can't afford that. That's the, that's the first thing that we stop spending money on, you know. Um so it'd be really interesting to see if it comes back and if it doesn't, what replaces it? Because sure as hell, something will replace it. Um, but yeah, your your colleague, Pete, John Mould at Trinity oh, Racing. Oh, yeah. He was Mr. Tour Series. He was Mr. Tour Series for a few years, wasn't he? I think he, like he certainly held, if not holds, the like the all-time record for the number of, I think I'm right in saying, the number Does of he? wins. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, that one quiet. Yeah. Yeah. In the team car every day for five hours. Yeah. There you go. Obviously, um, more modest than myself. Hey, can I just bring up something quite important? And this is for you, Pete. Um, 
on oh, yeah? pro cycling stats, Trinity Racing hasn't mm-hmm. got a jersey avatar. Oh, I should be on that. Yeah. As general so I, I'm looking at the O Gran Camino yeah. start list and oh. Trinity Racing. Mm. Might be because they've just no, but that means there mustn't be a Trinity Racing avatar anywhere on um, pro cycling stats. Pretty sure. Did I send the? If you're not on pro cycling stats, you don't exist, really, Pete. You're just a ghost team. Is that from? Is that is is it pro cycling stats' responsibility to post to have the jersey, or is it? Well, they normally the go and I guess is it? it from somewhere, or yeah, okay. or the team. I think they're quite well established. Right. I think well, they're very well good established. Info. I'll get onto that. Hopefully, Andrew McQuaid doesn't listen to the podcast and Trinity Racing <laughs> won't get on my case tomorrow morning when I wake up before I go and commentate for six mm. hours. But yeah, okay, thanks, Dave. No worries. Okay to help. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's in the details. Yeah. So, um, uh, Peach has just revealed that he's got to commentate for six hours tomorrow, which means that he is mm. somewhere at a bike race. Um, but David has also mm. just revealed that he hasn't got a clue, I don't think, about anything that's happened so far in 2023 <laughs> in the world of bike racing, right? Let's just Neither pause. Do I. Because, I, well, I don't believe that, Pete. And we, uh, well, I want you, you after this, <laughs> imminently. <laughs> 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 imminently pete you're going to furnish us with um infinite detail as to what's been going on at the bike race that you're at but before any of that i took the time to actually do a bit of scripting to find a bit of music and to sum up in four minutes and 50 seconds at least i think that's a duration everything that i think of significance that has happened so far in 2023 and bear in mind bear in mind that there is a kind of hipster cycling fan stroke commentator type person who would say the season hasn't even begun because it only starts with omelette pet newsblad and the opening weekend which is this weekend it's a nonsense thing to say but nonetheless people say it anyway anyway here's my here's my (laughs) here's my sum up of everything that david has is learning literally for the first time now here it is the Tour Down Under this year was the first in the post-Ritchie Port, post-Wollonga Hill era and was won instead by UAE team Emirates. Exceptional new signing, the talent Jay Vine, who also picked up a win in the Australian Time Trial Championships, just about the hardest to win, proving once again that he is a GC rider to be reckoned with for the here and now. So much so that I went out and put a crazy bet on him winning the Giro d'Italia this year, which will almost certainly mean that he won't. In the women's edition of the race, another home success in the shape of FDJ's Grace Brown, a first GC win of her career, though she had come close to victory in the women's tour in 2022. And so, via a roundabout kind of a way to the Challenge Mallorca series via victory for Lotto Destiny super talent sprinter Arnaud Delis in the Valenciana Classic beforehand. But on Mallorca, in cold and wet conditions, variously victories went to Rui Costa, riding these days in the uh, slightly confusing colours of Antarmarché, and his teammate Kobe Holsens, who picked up two wins with long-range solo attacks. In France, at both the GP La Marseillaise and the famous Étoile de Bessège, it was Nielsen Paulus who prevailed, though he didn't actually win a stage in Bessège. It was his first professional GC win and the first American win in the history of the race. Paulus then went on to contest the Tour des Alpes-Maritimes et du Var, a race that constantly changes its name confusingly, finishing third behind surprise winner Kevin Vauclin. A first professional victory for the highly rated 21-year-old from Arkea Samsic after a string of second places in 2022. Now, Vauclin's a former national junior and under-23 time trial champion from Normandie, from Bayeux, in fact. And he's a real prospect as the new French World Tour team move on after the debacle 
of Nairo Quintana's embarrassing dismissal. Now, another Colombian climber whose career has unravelled after a doping case is Miguel Angel Lopez. But he thumbed his nose at the European established cycling world, which has abandoned him, by taking the GC at the Argentinian stage race to Torre San Luis, riding for the Colombian continental team Medellin. He did so ahead of Filippo Ganna, Sergio Iguita, and Remco Evenepoel, who made a total arse of the race after an over-cocky attack in the uh, rainbow bands of the world champion. At least, I think that's how he summed it up. Back in Spain, Rui Costa took the overall at the Tour of Valencia, which also featured a stage win for Theo Gegenhardt, ahead incidentally of a brilliant ride from fellow Londoner Tom Glogue riding for Jumbo Visma these days. It was Theo's first victory since taking the Giro d'Italia in 2020. Plus, Biniam Grimai, amongst others, got his season off to a winning start along with Giulio Ciccone. There were one-day wins in the meantime for Ben Turner in Spain and for Casper Pedersen in Portugal before Pogaccia made his seasonal debut at the gravelly hipster Jaén Parizo race in only its second ever edition. Pogaccia waiting until 45 kilometres out and then simply riding everyone off his wheel. After that, the Slovenian, who normally heads for the UAE Tour, went to Andalusia instead and picked up three casual stage wins, plus obviously the GC, and it wasn't even close. Jonas Vingegaard, incidentally, is down to race for the first time in 2023 later this week in Spain at the new stage race, the O Gran Camino, another race in only its second iteration. In the meantime, there was victory for Matteo Jorgensen in the Tour of Oman, the uh, Movistar American rider, his first pro win, uh, taking the GC2 in convincing fashion. Danny Martinez, who is consistently underestimated as a time trialist, rode to victory in the Tour of the Algarve ahead of his teammate Filippo Ganna after Tom Pidcock, another Ineos Grenadier, ceded the race lead on the final long individual time trial in which Pidcock very nearly face-planted into an earthy bank at the side of the road but just about held it up. Martinez is now understood to be in line for the leadership role of the Ineos Grenadiers at the Tour de France, which is interesting. In the women's UAE Tour, raced for the first time this year, Elisa Longo-Boghini took the overall, while in Valencia, the relatively unknown Belgian Justine Gekier, and I hope I've pronounced that correctly, rode to victory. The first win of her career, riding for Patrick Lefebvre's women's team, AG Insurance, Soudal Quickstep. And, at the time of recording, in the ongoing tour of Rwanda, in which Chris Froome is currently participating, incidentally, Great Britain's Ethan Vernon has so far picked up two wins, making his season's results to date, so far read, second, first, first, first. Okay, little update on the Tour of Rwanda. Ethan Hayter didn't win the third. St I've, in fact, I got all fact wrong there because I think I say in that little, although I recorded it a couple of days ago, I think I say Ethan Hayter was riding for the GB team in the Tour of Rwanda. He wasn't. He's riding for the Sudal Quickstep development team, not the GB team. And he obviously didn't win the next day because it was a big mountain stage. Um, I'll tell you who did, though. It was... Uh, Ethan Hayter? No. It was Henuk no. Mulubran, who is the... Uh, back-to-back -back African champion, uh, continental champion. And here's a thing, here's a thing that I just really surprised me, and I wonder if it would surprise you. I didn't know until I started looking at um, his backstory, Mulubran, he's an Eritrean rider, and the African National Championships, oh, sorry, Continental Championships have just happened. I didn't know that there was an African continental jersey for the champion. I didn't know that either. 
that's a cool. That's got to be a cool jersey. It's not, sadly. Oh, what? How do you mess that up? I mean, literally, how do you mess that up? It's kind of, I think it's really puzzling because I think there's only two riders who've ever actually kind of worn it. So I think it's really recent. I think the South African sprinter, Ryan Gibbons, kind of wore it when he's riding for UAE. But you know, like UAE don't really try with their with their um, distinctive jerseys, do they? They do the bare minimum. You remember like Aru's mm. and Nibali, uh, Aru's national champions jersey and all that. So, but the African national champions jersey doesn't have really distinctive bands at all like the or you know like the european one has obviously the stars and everything it's really kind of brash it just has a kind of outline of the of the map of africa on a white background with some sort of green stripes or something that you wouldn't necessarily massively just green associate with africa so it's a little bit odd and he did a lot of what what, uh, what, i mean i'm struggling to understand what's also odd and did you just say Ethan Hater? I, don't, I was going to bring this up. Ethan Vernon. I was, quick I was, step I was development thinking, team. who's Ethan Vernon? Well, no, you said I Ethan was, Hater. Oh, did I say Ethan Hater? Yeah. yeah. And so I was so confused. And I thought I really do know nothing about cycling anymore. I had to go on pro I was like, cycling Ethan Hater's gone to like, the Sudal development team. Oh, I'm so sorry. That really can... Well, oh, in the well, wait, I've, wait, that must be so confusing Ethan for podcast v- listeners because I would have directly contradicted myself because in the pre-recorded bit I would have talked about Ethan Vernon, and then in this live bit that picking up off the back I would have literally contradicted myself and started talking about Ethan Hater. Fortunately, so he's able, yeah, he's able to drop down to the development team. Seemingly, no, it's yeah, but who's really? So I Ethan, I thought he could Vernon step is. up from the development team, but you couldn't. He was he's already done a year. <laughs> who's, who's Ethan Vernon? He's already done a year pro of quick step. Yeah, he picked oh, up he? a. I think he picked. He used, but how can you drop down to? Can you do it within your first two years of Neo Pro? You can just drop down to the development well, team. He's he's riding for the development what team in Rwanda. Rumor. He's that is ridiculous. That, oh, isn't I'm it? so confused. But oh okay, God. David, he's really good. Ethan Vernon. Um, briefly, okay. when Cav was at Quick Step and Ethan Vernon was absolutely just on the development team, and I don't think he turned pro. Actually, no, mm, he oh, was. Or maybe he's always been on it. Wait a minute. Where was Cav, who was Cav riding for last year? Quick, quick step, quick step, <laughs> quick step. Oh yeah, so won four stages of the Tour this de France. Is so good, Pete. No, because he didn't race the Tour de France last year, did he? That was the Pete? year before. God, <laughs> no, was it? <laughs> God, <laughs> seriously, dear, never oh, stress for our listeners. Fabio Jakobsen did. Oh my gosh, too much bike racing, too many. Oh no, this is why. This is awful. I don't know how our <laughs> listeners have coped without our incisive knowledge of sport. I anyway, know. oh like, what on point. Oh no, that was right. really bad. Like, rewind, no, but, no, the rewind. Race, but rewind. the season doesn't start till Umlet Omloop Hep Newsblad. Then we then we'll start to get serious. <laughs> no, absolutely. But this is up. This is just a pre-season <laughs> camp. But um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Ethan Vernon. So here's the Ethan Vernon thing, right? Peach, this time last year oh when you and Lord. I were working together in the UAE, yeah. Oh yeah. Vernon was racing mm. and he was leading out Cav. He was, he was leading Cav out. Yeah, and he did uh-huh. a, he did a good job. I think Cav got one victory, didn't he, last year at the UAE? Yeah, because already we were spending four hours talking about debating over the Tour de France and his rivalry. You know, was it a rival with um, Fabio Jakobsen? You know, Ev- <laughs> like <come> every on. <laughs> day, every day we had the same discussion <laughs> for four hours. I know it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, but also Cav Ethan Vernon's like going Ethan, well, by the way. Ethan Vernon. Last thing about Sorry. Ethan hey, Vernon. He really does. He went to my school. Yeah. Okay, he went to my school. Ethan Vernon did. There you go. Did oh, he? Right. Yeah. What, in um, Bedford. Fact. In Bedford. Bedford. Bedford School. Yeah. Oh. Bedford. Yeah. Start of the day, that, Ned. That is. Um, yeah. And there's been some. I'll tell you that. Much. Shall we talk about Cav? Yeah. yeah. Why not? 
I mean that because that. I mean, I just like now, Pete. You watched the stage closely. That didn't look Very like an closely. easy move to be in. Well, I mean, the whole day it was so. The, I mean, the neutral section was probably eight hundred meters, and honestly, the car was absolutely swamped with riders. It was almost riders in front of the car. Oh God! Of the lead car, and it just went bang straight from the word go um in four echelons straight away and that was pretty much it for the whole day until they turned into like a slight head crosswind and it was like okay maybe this is just going to come together for a normal bunch sprint um until Remco Evan and Paul got bored basically and stuck it back in the crosswind so Cav missed uh, Cav was in the first split we didn't see how he ended up in the second split but he was there originally, so I don't know if it was a puncher or, or what happened. Anyway, he was right on that final move um, when Sudal Quickstep put it in the gutter. And yeah, he honestly probably tactically messed up a little bit. I don't know if it was his fault or Case Ball, his new lead out man. Can't have been Case Ball's Just fault. Case Ball, it can't have ca- been, no. He's makes world very, class. He's world class and he makes very few mistakes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realise how tall he was actually until he started riding. He's Cavs. huge, massive. He's like huge rider, hundred ninety-four centimeters tall. Oh, Christ, really huge. Anyway, yeah. Uh, anyway, so they just um, Tim Malier and his lead-up man got the jump into the right-hand corner. Cav just missed it, but if you actually look at them come out the corner all the way to the finish line, he was uh, yeah. You know, he if he was if he was on Malier's wheel, he probably would have won it. Bloody hell! Yeah, I thought huh. I saw that, and I thought that's a really decent start like to his that mm. like a like a, a as you've described pete just being in the right move and at the front of the race shows he's going especially when you consider how disrupted his winter's been it's not just the you know well, it's just toing and throwing over the contract everything. and but he's been in he's been in london for this court case like you know standing yeah, standing true. in the witness box but he just he just he just loves it though doesn't he doesn't he, he absolutely he loves, loves it. it so much oh, i just love riding the bike mate honestly <laughs> He just loves it. Like, it, honestly, and when you think about it, 17 years pro this year, come on. Like, we talk about generations and how the sports change and how oh, all these, you know, new guys, this is what they know and this is what they're used to. They're not affected by the new modern cycling. Cav's still there. He's just, and he just, just, he just loves it. it. More than ever. <laughs> he's just still doing He's not even, tra- I don't even know if he's training any differently. Just goes hard until he blows up and half, half wheels people how and kicks he'll, he'll love being in a new team as well. With like new people. Oh, oh no, he does love the new team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does, it. and he'll just be able to like, good crack. get like a new group of people to follow him around, like the hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, so like, good. when, when he I does see. love a star, now, yeah. When I see riders who are really quite a lot older than everyone else, you know, and I remember when Armstrong came back in for his comeback year and he, you know, on that discovery team with a very young Alberto Contador, I remember sort of looking at him thinking, there's a little bit of. Like being that age in your late thirties and still wearing shorts, that it's a bit undignified. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. you wear shorts when you go to school in primary school, and then eventually. But Armstrong did look, he did look a bit older, didn't he? For some reason, when he yeah, came he back, looked, his back look, was a little bit more hunched, his levers and bars were a little bit more higher. Yeah, and yeah he yeah, looks yeah. pretty old now. To be honest it's with like, you, yeah. Yeah. Lance, he's yeah. Lance, it's catching yeah. up on him, isn't it? It happens it to the it. best of us, to be yeah. fair. It does. No, it's not. It's it not happening really to you, is it, Pete? It's not happening to you at all. Look at you. Oh, it slowly fit. is. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> still, um, still to come. Yeah, but, but I. Th- but it's a bit. So, 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 just go, sorry, just yeah, on sorry. UAE again, yeah. because I was geeking out a little bit because you know how much I love Remco. 
Yeah. Um, oh, we do. Yeah. So in the team time trial, he was using a bigger chain ring than all his other than his teammates. Well, I read it afterwards. You should have been in the commentary box, David. Yeah. <laughs> so his job. <laughs> oh, you read imagine, it afterwards. But imagine that's how good he is that they put a bigger gear on, and it was his job to bring it back up to speed and hold it. I mean, that's nuts. Uh, that's uh, like world tour level to be in a team that then wins the team time trial and be the rider in it yeah. who's given a bigger gear and asked to get it up to like lift the speed up on every turn and hold it. It's like he was like a Filippo Ganna in the team pursuit. His, his turns were huge that he was doing. That's wild. Yeah. Jesus. God. Yeah. But it was it was a, it was a great team performance. They were ten seconds down at the first checkpoint. Mm-hmm. And they just smashed it in the final ten. No, eleven seconds down. They took eleven seconds back in ten kilometers. This so checkpoint was after seven k, and um, yeah, it was just a great team performance. I mean, team Tim Malias to talk about him for a, a little bit again. Just a proper death turn lead out into the final kilometer. And bear in mind, he's in the leader's jersey of the race as well. So fair play to them. Yeah, they cut it really fine, didn't they? But they ultimately got it got it spot on but i i thought it was just great to see a team time trial i really enjoyed watching it i've missed them i think you know and Would you have enjoyed commentating on it ned well more than an individual time trial for sure because stuff happens doesn't yeah. it and it's there's there is more to go at as a commentator it's just it's interesting there's more to observe isn't there the way who do, who's doing what in the team who's you know and how they're going about their tactics there's much more nuance to it it's true because you've got eight eight people to talk about at a time rather than one person at a time and <laughs> yeah you've got yeah, and you've only got eighteen of them. Yeah, but also there's there's like how how are they going <laughs> to deploy the the little sort of like individual members of the team? It's not like you know the mm. individual time trial. Well, he's that left arm. He's going to sacrifice that left arm soon, and the right leg. I don't know how much longer the right leg is going to go on for. You know, there's but what? Yeah, it's it's a bit like that. But then you get to the point, don't you, when it's like, oh, once you've said the same thing about the first four teams off, it's like, yeah, okay, feel like you're repeating yourself a little bit, but. Of course you were. All in all, it was a it was a decent team time trial. Um, what about all these crazy aero helmets? Are we going to even have a conversation about them <sighs> or not? Can we be bothered? David, what do you think? I don't know. I just saw at the Uno X one. There was in the whole article. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It just got and to that point. And also, Christoph <laughs> won a race recently in an aero right. helmet. Yeah, but Pete, um, Pete I've, mm. made, I've done that in the 20... What was it? Twenty fourteen? No, twenty thirteen nationals. I was in a narrow time trial in Glasgow. Oh, uh, you were. I wore a TT you helmet were? in that race. Not Liza. that race again. Are we really going to talk about that? Oh race? no, Are we, we can't go back there. <laughs> can't Pete. I don't no, think no, no, no. I don't think we've no ever way. been. Sorry, I'm eating some cash. <laughs> not today. <laughs> uh, it's not fair on the listeners. It really is. But look, that, that was back. nine years ago. <laughs> nine years ago. Oh, go on then. Nine years ago, there's been enough yeah. water under the bridge. Let's go back there. So. 2013 <laughs> nationals were in uh, Glasgow. <laughs> 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 anyway, me, David Miller, Stannard, Ian Stannard, Mark Cavendish. Mark, Mark Cavendish again Cavendish. ended up <laughs> up the road. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But um, yeah. my main worry, in many, David, in many ways, is it's like I think commonly regarded as the most thrilling contest since four years previously when David Miller's team time trial uh, <laughs> outfit oh, narrowly we'll missed that. I thought you were going to mention it since we were talking about team time nah, trials anyway, but yeah. We'll save it. We'll yeah. save it. Sorry, Pete. Error um, No, I was just going to get to the point that like track racing used to, when I was growing up, used to be, as a as a kid, used to be quite cool, especially the Madison with the, you know, the classic 
curved handlebars and the normal helmets and the nice white shoes and socks. And now track racing is just, I mean, everyone's doing bunch races in aero helmets or visors. And my only concern about this whole new helmet situation is, are we going to be watching a flat stage of the Tour de France with almost 200 riders rocking around with time trial helmets on? It's inevitable. Oh, that would be such a shame, wouldn't it? It's going to be like why, Tron. Why would that be a shame? Oh, it's why, is be it, why is that a shame? Because it just looks, I it think just it looks look awful. Like, we're going to look like, it, I reckon... In a few years, when we look back at pictures of even you, Pete, who finished after me, and we may as well be looking back at like bloody octave lapis. No, but David, I tell you what's yeah. cool is riding along halfway through a Giro d'Italia stage, eating an ice cream. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. We're getting like, aero helmets. Uh, not sure about that. I don't know. Yeah, ice cream probably it's wins. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aero helmet and an ice cream that could be something yeah no I think it would look it's just a matter of time I, what do you reckon Ned I think it's going to get full Tron in a few years it's just going to be kind of super space age well I, I reckon that, I reckon that Pete's directly contradicted what he said on social media yesterday where he took issue with someone for <clears throat> you know laughing at the Uno X aero helmet and Pete you chipped in with oh come on I thought we thought we'd move beyond that debate it's, you know, it's all about move, it's all about going fast didn't you and then you triggered because you're a big name oh, you're yeah, a big yeah. hitter on social no, media so when you weigh in like it sparks off you know the repercussions <laughs> probably still and echoing around elon musk no, elon musk will have that wrong. framed yeah. yeah you 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 did read that wrong though ned oh, i wasn't I? really i wasn't okay. saying it in a way to support the aero helmet wearing i was just saying god there's nothing else to talk about <laughs> apparently not we're talking about it but what i don't oh my god what i don't what i don't understand and I think I might have raised this before. It's a genuine question that really puzzles me. Is you've got so the two sort of like slightly unusual looking aero helmets I've noted so far are Uno X with their flared kind of strange looking thing, a bit like the pop. Just helmet. a pop ripoff. Yeah. Yeah, except even more kind of weird, and it looks like it's got a yeah. panel at the front that looks. It's got like a it's got like a bloody channel that goes through it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Who makes it, David? Do you know? No, I don't know actually. Oh, it's sweet. I spot. thought it was it's, it's Sweet Protection, a Swedish pop. company. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got like the winning helmet uh, from the team time trial yesterday was um, Quick Steps. Sudal Quick oh, Steps. But the Balaclava. Yeah. No, they weren't having that. That's a S Works thing, is a specialised thing. I yeah. think Bora Hansgrohe have them. No, but their helmet has got a kind of flat front, like, like a kind of squared off front to it. And what I don't hmm. understand is with all these wind tunnels that do roughly the same thing, how can they reach two very different conclusions when. Surely the science equalizes itself out by now with everybody doing the s looking for the same thing and the same using roughly the same kit and um, reaching totally different conclusions. I, I just find that that baffling. is a good question. Because, I don't know. Because that is a question. I was very passionate about civil aircraft when I was young. We've spoken about this in the past. But when I was growing up, there was a huge variation in the way that civilian airliners looked. You know, some of them would have the rear mounted. And, but ultimately now, all the, they all look the same. They're just bigger or smaller versions of the same kind of... They all look the same, don't they? The they, wings are roughly the same. They all arrive at the same end game. Exactly. So they've, they've, yeah. they've leveled out to, oh, well, that's the fastest way of pushing a big mm. lump of metal through the air. Well, Ned, you might have just answered your own question then. Perhaps that's how archaic cycling is and we're still going through that sort of Devo stage <laughs> and we haven't that. reached the kind... <laughs> don't understand yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> it's still medieval cycling in the sense that we haven't got to that kind of universal answer. Yeah, kind of where everything looks kind of homogenized. Also, I don't know whether some, I guess at a purely commercial level, 
um, certain brands want to have something that's unique and kind of is a it kind of entices the buyer because if everyone also if what doing something the same or yeah. pay, or actually um, patents as well, I guess. And what we IP. don't know is that actually when you have the two different shaped helmets, is that actually they're equally as fast, mm. just designed differently. Yeah, and it depends on your position. It kind of depends on the rider, doesn't it? And kind of like the use case. But no. Shall we move on from helmets? Yeah, please. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, let's move... Three helmets sat here, but let's let, let, crack let, on let's to just, the next Let's just... Let's <laughs> yeah, I d I've no idea what we're going to talk about next because we might have exhausted all our material. So um, we're just going to have a pause for a second while I think... Oh, yeah, good. So for those of you who might not know, I have entered a brand new world this year and a world that consists of managing a cycling team and to be more specific, Trinity Racing. To be quite frank, it's a world that I am quite naive to, uh, and still am, and learning about on a daily basis. However, one thing I have realized is routine is absolute key for me to deliver my job to the best of my abilities, whether that be sleep quality, exercise, or nutrition. And with nutrition, one Part of my routine that I have implemented is taking AG1 on a daily basis. Upon waking up on an empty stomach, I take my athletic greens before my morning coffee. I say morning coffee at least three to four, probably at least to get me out the door. Um, however, knowing I have the right nutrients and minerals to support me throughout the day puts my mind at ease especially with spending four to eight hours in a team car when you maybe cannot get your hands on you know the most nutritional food available so with that athletic greens has a special offer they are providing a free vitamin d supplement and a travel pack with your first purchase so don't take your time jump on it sign up and go to athleticgreens.com forward slash never far and apply. Yep. Can we talk about Tare Pogaccia? Yep. Right. Let's talk about Tare Pogaccia. Yeah. Um, he's just making a mockery of everyone again. He's, making, he? he's, making, mockery, he's making a mockery of everyone. And I haven't actually watched any of it. I've just been reading reports and seeing photographs, but it does sound like he's literally just out having a laugh. Same same thing, whether it goes uphill or, you know, rolling terrain. It's just, it, no one can hold his wheel. It's, it's just astonishing. He looks better than ever. <laughs> and he's doing Paranese. He's doing Paranese, and so is Jonas. Yes. So is yes. Jonas. Um, Jonas. Uh, Jonas. And you're coming over, Pete. Pete, Jonas. unfortunately, is not involved. With that, because we can't afford Pete. I actually did. I actually did get invited by Carolyn for a meeting, as everyone's there. But I kindly declined because what? Yeah, I'm barely home as it is. Not to work on the race, just to come, get come together to as a group. But I don't yeah. think. Would she? Was she going to pay you possible. for your time to come over for the meeting? Uh, didn't actually ask her. Maybe I should ask her. Yeah, ask her. Yeah, yeah. She's like, all right, then. Make a difference. <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm interested. Carolyn, um, do you know about Paranese? I might be available. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's quite. It's quite funny, isn't it, David? Because um, I, I know you've been kind of because you've been. 
busy with other stuff. You've, you haven't been sort of very present on social media. But yesterday, ITV Cycling, their official Twitter feed said, Paris-Nice, after a long hiatus. Yeah, too right. I mean, almost you know, <laughs> seven months or something. Um, ITV Cycling, we're, we're back. You know, it is quite it is quite funny, isn't it? Because you know, we're very we're very indebted and very proud of what we do to at ITV. Yeah. We have good friends, and we have a huge amount of respect for the fact that they, you know, kind of keep the flag flying for free to air cycling rights, which is a you know very important thing. But they do, we we don't have many rights when you compare, you know, like GCN Eurosport. That is just water seven races every single day. You know, um, uh, and it kind of it, reflects my cycling life though as well. How it feels like that in the sense that coming back in for Paris Nice after the Tour de France (laughs) is kind of that's just (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of the Dauphiné drift around the Dauphiné a bit exactly Tour de France hello job job done used to do the Vuelta used to do the Vuelta can't even be bothered with that anymore. (laughs) I know I hear. I take I take a sabbatical (laughs) once a year. Oh, don't worry. You'll find your form within the race. Yeah, no problem. I haven't commentated in in, in in almost a year, but I'll spend oh. the first week getting into it. You know. <laughs> I tell you what. Actually, just on a kind of, um, I just want Pete's advice this because I'm actually genuinely a little bit worried about Cape Epic. I'm now kind of three yeah. days into training and only have like two weeks left. <laughs> I would genuinely be very worried yeah I'm um, especially the amount of work and dedication your sister i know your sister fran has been putting in there's not much you can do david other than no, ride your not. bike every day from that's now that's what i'm doing i've race. done like three days and hope for now. the best how long how much have you done what i will say uh sorry, i've done 130 k's now 100 no 150 k's so I, i'm gonna have three weeks of training before cape epic and that's from a less than zero starting point. So it's one of the greatest challenges of my life. It's worth, I like, not, I, just, I should just say to listeners, not everyone is going to know what the Cape Epic is, but the first thing they need to know is it's not on a road bike, it's on a mountain bike, and it's off-road, you know, so and it's on really difficult it's terrain. Epic. So 130k yeah. equates to a lot more than that in terms of, like, you're not, you're not comparing. Yeah. Yeah. Hours on the road. Hours on the road. Mm. On the trails, I should yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, well, good. Thanks, Pete. That's all I wanted. Just a little bit of Yeah, good advice. Support. Yeah. yeah, cool. Wait, now, oh, oh, no, well, I did. I did a training camp with your sister. Uh, three days on the Isle of Man, and actually, my first day was by far the worst. My yeah. head completely fell off after like two and a half hours. <laughs> Coach P, no form, no fitness. But the third day, <laughs> the muscle memory had ho- wow. already started to there, kick in. There you yeah. go. Nice. So nice. Okay. Be patient. Yeah. Yep, I'm being patient. All right, good. You're Very banking good. on you're banking on that, aren't you? The, the, the I'm banking on that. <laughs> muscle memory. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> and fueling and patience. Yeah, yeah that's it. Oh, yeah. Well, cool. H- how long does the event last? How many days? Eight in the days. Summer? It's eight? eight days. Eight days, and it's hard. I mean, it's called but Cape Epic. Yeah. Right. So right. I'm. So the kind are of you? Bunkers are off now. Are you going straight there, pretty much, from Paris-Nice, from commentating on Paris-Nice? Yeah, I'm going to come back home for a couple of days, and then we leave on the Wednesday, I think. So Paris-Nice finishes the Sunday, come home Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday here, and then straight out. So what's your regime, while we're commentating together from the studio in London, during Paris-Nice, what's your your regime going to be? Because that's eight well, days. Well, I think actually I might lean on um, Pete there for some, by that point I should be able to do Zwift sessions, and I might just have Mm -hmm, Pete banging me out on the home trainer my sisters every morning can't wait and then i'll just yeah. brompton into the studio i'm there for you bro thanks pete 
yeah, Ned, just something. to give you an idea of how epic this Cape Epic is, bear in mind they're on a mountain bike, off-road, obviously, very technical stages. Um, uh, probably the I think the the highest elevation within the stage, total elevation, sorry, is I think 2,600 metres within, within 100k. Okay, that's um, really steep. Uh, yeah, even if you think like, of a road stage that yeah, was 100 kilometres and you had to cram 2,500 metres in. It's a hell of a lot of climbing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. weigh like a nice 85, 86 kilos at the moment as well. So, which is about... What's your ideal race weight? 76. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Just have fun with that. Yeah. I'm going to be flying afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, if I make it. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, there you go. I just like digress off that slightly. That's fine. Okay. Can Thank we you. just go, go back to the um, UAE tour, Pete, and like bring us up to date? Because you, uh, you've you only just come back just a couple of hours ago from a long transfer from Jebel Jais, uh, the, the summit finished today on stage three. It's a bit unusual, isn't it? For, yeah. for We were talking about Cav earlier, because normally the UAE tour is like four sprints and then maybe a time trial and a summit finish, you know. Um, but... It, He's had that crosswind day, and then a team time trial, and now a summit finish. So presumably tomorrow, tomorrow's a sprint, is it? It's been a it's been a good shake up, no pun intended, um, <laughs> this year. <laughs> uh, no, honestly though, with like you said, I mean, obviously the wind plays a massive part in this race, yeah. and having that huge crosswind stage uh, day on stage one was was awesome to commentate on and then yeah straight into a team time trial which was exciting as far as team time trials go today was was a grind yeah I'm not gonna lie mm. not a lot happened and then also that you know you you find yourself just talking about the, the the final climb to the finish over and over again yep. which isn't really that much of a climb oh, there's not a lot for the riders to go off it's you can save so much energy on the, the long wheels one? and it's very long. It's yeah, twenty kilometers. Yeah, it's not very s- only steep at the end, or so. It, not, it's not even, not that even steep that. at the end. Not really. even that. Uh, really. And it's what is it, Pete? About kind of four percent, five. Yeah, five point six percent average. Yeah, but it kind of, yeah. but it's such a smooth, wide road, but it's long. But you could really see it, that's why it's so painful to watch because you could kind of tell nothing was going to happen. That group just didn't get whittled down and didn't get whittled down. And um, UAE tried to take it up, didn't they, for Adam Yates, who lost a bit of time in the crosswinds. Um, and then Mikkel Bjerg kept kind of like darting off the front to try and animate it. And like you just couldn't get away or do, which is why I thought actually the winning ride from Aino Rubio, from that tiny Colombian, his first professional win from Movistar, which is why I thought actually, the more I think about that, Pete, I don't know what you think as a climber, the more impressed I was with that because they weren't, you know, the, the teams behind, all right, they might have let him go at first, but they weren't, you know, they, 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 they yeah, it was a good ride, wasn't it? Was, it? It was a good ride. It was a strong win. I mean, he was a minute over a minute 30 down on GC. So it, he did have that freedom. It was a great team attack, though. From I can't remember who his teammate was who jumped off the front of him and did a turn of death to set him up. I think it was Albert, but I then, think it was Albert Torres, I think. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. And But then with that, Tarland was still on the front. And and also that was you know an amazing ride, given how young he is and it's what is second or third professional race you know yeah. when you think about the fact that he was doing the tour of wales junior tour of wales only a matter of months ago <laughs> um which what what i find remarkable is though i look back at the junior tour of wales results because honestly the first time i heard of him was when he signed for Ineos. oh really hmm. um yeah and i looked back at the results and he wasn't even dominant in the race 
like you know a couple of stages he was a minute and a half down he won one stage but it wasn't like oh yeah he's going to Ineos Grenadiers and no one else is but obviously they know more about him as a rider and his capabilities mm. and maybe the, the results show yeah the I, I I discovered him Pete's frozen a bit hope he comes back is he frozen for you as well David he's frozen for me as well yeah well it, it, maybe he'll come back there he is he's I, I, I first um, I first dis- I first noticed or heard about and saw Josh Tarling all at the same time there was a criterium race before the last June June last year before the Nationals, wherever they were held up in Scotland, I think, in Dumfries and Galloway. And there was a crit race. The, the crit championships, in fact, were held the night before, or two days before, and I was up there for that, doing a bit of telly. And I was stood by the side of the the course next to his agent, actually, um, Jamie Barlow, who I'm sure we all know, one way or another. Mm-hmm. And um, Jamie, and I said, you know, as you do to agents, how many riders have you got in this race then? <laughs> and he went, da-da-da-da-da-da. He said, but, but look at this kid. And as they came round... I just, he just, Pete, he just looks amazing on a bike and he's so tall and so, um, he's got great, he's just got an amazing position on he's the bike. He's a unit. Just, I'm just looking yeah. at one meter 94 and 88 kilos. Yeah. Yeah. It's like case bowl size. He's case bollian. But case pretty much the same size might, as case bollian. Might potentially yeah. even be, if you can imagine this, guys, he might even be better than case bowl as his career. I mean, it's not, it's not possible. It, it's hard to imagine, but it might, you know, there might be a future that even goes beyond what Case Ball has achieved um, uh, oh. in his career. But um, no, he's but he's obviously been identified, Tarling, from a long, 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 long way out as one of those, hasn't he? Which you can identify with, Pete, because that kind of what, what happened to you, wasn't it? Tarling's been on the radar of, you know, the, the the cycling world for a long time. Pete's been on the radar of the cycling world for a long time as well. Still is. I don't think there. I think there are teams. I think there are teams out there that haven't given up. Still really? There. Yeah. Still there. Look how fresh-faced he looks. He's going back to the scene. Yeah, he's going back to the scene of his last ever professional race, UAE Tour, where when I was w- there with him this time last year, like there were flickerings, awakenings of like the passion was just still mm. bubbling away at him, you know. So it's a few emotional transfers, wasn't there? There were some. It's still quite raw, wasn't my, it? Because uh, you because retirement. You'd buried it a bit, and then I put you back in that environment. It all it came came to the surface, didn't it? Came it to the surface, actually. But a year Maybe later, P- PTSD. A year later, oh, P- do you know what? PTSD, yeah. PTSD. P P P T S D. David, did you listen to? <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Pro cyclist joke. <laughs> <laughs> David, did you listen uh, to the pod that we did from Calpe, or did you not bother? Um, I've listened to half of it and then I stopped and that wasn't because of the quality of it. It was just interrupted because I'm just catching up on all those sort of things. But yes, well, I was. It was a deep dive into watching Pete as, as DS. Oh, and also, um, and I was, it's super impressive, David. I mean, you knew that in advance, but to see Pete mm. working like... He's a, he's that, a that guru. Like he is. Yeah. 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 Logistical. Oh, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh God, I'm definitely not. <laughs> uh, it's a huge, it's a huge learning curve. But do you know what? One thing that I do know is I am passionate about it, and I do love the work. Mm. And for me, that's half the battle. So, yeah, bring it yeah. on. Yeah, that's yeah. started to enjoy even just driving, which <laughs> I never thought. That's you really are institutionalized when you start to enjoy the driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. You transfer. I noticed that on some of the long drives last year when you realise that when you step into the car and it feels safe. You're yeah. Like, what the heck's going on here? I like the way you can just have disco naps in your drives now as well. Just pull over yeah. and have, like, knock out a 20-minute nap in your transfers. 
Yeah, well, you know, you've got to be. Um, yeah, it's all about staying safe there out on the road. Yeah, good man. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. No, yeah, I was going to say. Um, so, p- I've put plans in place now to come out, Pete, to that um, under twenty three race. Um, until it's and and no, I is it, I think it's is it not? I don't under, think it's under twenty three race. No. Oh, you told me. Yeah, it's, I think a- you told Alan me. Teo. Yeah. It's, no, it's not. It Maybe originally I thought it was, but it's not now. Okay, brilliant. I couldn't <laughs> find any information about the route. They haven't announced it yet. But I'm, um, I'm going to. I've got this little round trip organized. Yeah, I was going to send that on to you, wasn't I? Yeah. If you've got it, that'd be handy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to go out to Milan San Remo on the 18th of March, and then the next day I'm hoping after that to go down to a little French village just down the road from um, oh, nice. San Remo, the French village, the Fr- French village, and see if there's any mm. former world champions knocking oh, around there. Oh, lovely village. Mm. That one, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then I thought the following day, well, I know the following day I've booked a flight from Nice to Lisbon in the hope <laughs> that, the ra- <laughs> <laughs> that the race is somewhere near Lisbon that I can get to wherever the hell you're going to be. <laughs> I've got. A, we'll sort it out. I've got a couple of That's days. Give me a message the day before. But I was so, I was so, you know, obviously, f- f- as reasons we've alluded to, you know, Antalya literally couldn't happen and shouldn't have happened. But I was so looking forward to my 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 day in the team car, which I've, you know, still haven't had. So I'm going to go to Portugal to try and get it instead. I know. Yeah, we've we've got to make it happen. And I will say honestly, with this new job role I've taken on, the first night here, I was having the most weird dreams slash nightmares where it happened over the course of my night's sleep on three different individual occasions when I woke up, I panicked that I hadn't done the daily plan for the morning. Mm. And each time I woke up, it took me like 30 seconds to realise, oh no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not racing here, I'm commentating. <laughs> I'd fall back asleep and I'd visualise these timings and who was in the team and mm. it'd happen again. Oh, oh, like, oh my God, oh my God. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm just commentating. Like, I'm not working on the race. It was awful. Pete, does this mean this is this has been one of the rare times where, because I remember before you said that Pete dream time was your, you kind of look forward to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, this was the opposite. This yeah. was That's sad. This was sad like, for you. Yeah, you, nightmare. You live through every day waiting to go to sleep and have your parallel life. Yeah, that must have been, must have been going through some difficult times back then. <laughs> 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 Maybe I'm in a better place now. Just looking forward to going to sleep and kicking off your other life. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh. Well, you did. You did post on our little group that you'd had a dream about our podcast last night, and that David had all these papers and notes in the podcast, and um, and that that said, and yeah, you posted, and Ned turned to oh, me yeah. and did that look he sometimes does. Yeah, that was in the dream. Like so, what is that look that I sometimes do? What is that? It's obviously. Do you, do you know the look, David? I'm trying to think. So I don't think I get that look in that case. Maybe it's just like my paranoia. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, you know, if I say something that's not. I don't know. How or to I'm just it. oblivious to it and just Pete, don't acknowledge maybe, it. Maybe, yeah. Is this like. Wait, and Ned sometimes gives you the like. Mm. <laughs> you should be saying that and then I'm like oh, crap oh, I maybe say? I shouldn't be saying that oh. and then I'm like oh my god retract retract yeah. <laughs> dig dig goes oh. yeah. uh, I mean you mean the slightly disappointed dad look like 
it's 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 almost like yeah, like a little bit bewildered. Be- oh, yeah, okay. Are you really saying? I always that? Say sometimes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, sometimes yeah. maybe the sort of look at me, then look at look at you, <laughs> then look at me, kind of yeah, checking yeah. with me. Yeah, that, keep going. Yeah, maybe a bit that. I mean, I mean, yeah. th- I mean, that's, yeah. all, that's I only David one of the tips. Look at each other the other one is the. The other one is the. Occasionally, we the Tesco sandwich. Stab a finger wildly at the paper or the screen mm. and kind of like, you know, just occasionally elbow each other and gesticulate. But mm. uh, yeah. No, this isn't really commentary based. This is just life, life general life, life. or, or <laughs> off mic life on the odd, on the odd, off, off mic life <laughs> or on the odd podcast where I've, where I've had the, <laughs> the life. Flair. but yeah, yeah. it's, uh, uh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very important to differentiate between commentary and life and podding. It's all these things are just, they're quite distinct uh, areas of human experience, but but you're right. They it's very confusing. Mm. They are because I wish I could commentate as if I'm doing a podcast because I could just naturally talk about anything and yeah. it'd be great. But it's a completely different ball game, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It yeah. is. It is. How's a how's a reading yeah. going? So in Spain, you were reading Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which you really enjoyed, didn't you? Yeah, one sec. I think we're going to be um, you were going to we're going to be presented with yeah, I think so. I look forward to it. You managed to get much reading done, so yeah. Oh, I got loads of reading. Great book, good. That's good. Yeah. What you got here then, Pete? It was. I mean, it's a crazy story, isn't it? Don't know. Uh, This is a book called Trust. No, the Fear and Loathing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And this is a book called Trust by um, Hernan Diaz and. To be honest, I'm absolutely. I didn't think I would when I started reading it, but I'm absolutely loving it. And it's about basically America or New York in the 1950s. Hmm. Um, I would not do it justice if I tried to explain what has happened up up until this point. To be honest, um, but it's about yeah, all, all about the Wall Street and that taking off, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and stories within that. So. It's epic, though. Oh wow! Sounds great. Sounds great. It does sound Re- Honestly, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I've got. I've um, having been having spent months and months just absolutely kind of obsessed with fiction and reading lots and lots of um, female writers and nineteen twenties. Fi- sorry, yeah, I was going to say the fifties. Does it go into the grand Dep- the Great Depression, presumably in the thirties and stuff, and mm. the stock market briefly? Crash. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I've uh, uh, and really genuinely inspired by our cancelled visit to turkey and then everything that's been happening in turkey and syria i had this podcast series recommended to me called empire which i in turn recommend to all our podcast listeners many of whom will have been listening and they've just done a series on the ottoman empire um which i've Mm. always been kind of as you know david i think last time we went to antalya it's kind of like um uh so i've uh, inspired by that i've picked up the reading list that they uh, they've recommended, and I'm reading about the fall of the Ottoman Empire during the First World War and 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 other stuff like that. So that's been really interesting. But I, on their latest episode on that podcast series today, I just I heard the most unreal fact about the Ottoman Empire in the 18th century. And in the harem in the Ottoman Empire in the 18th century, they had already developed smallpox vaccines in the 18th in the 1700s. They were literally taking minute amounts with a needle, the head of a needle, of infected smallpox material and having smallpox parties where they get children and young people open to open their veins up and they place some of the smallpox infected wow. material into their bloodstream and they would fall ill 
but they wouldn't die and and mm. they would recover from that almost almost all of them and they would be immune wow a- and and bear in mind smallpox was ravaging societies across the world and killing uh, you know Deep large in the 20th century yeah absolutely until the smallpox vaccine eradicated it that's absolutely mm. mind blowing so the ottoman empire in istanbul mm. in the 18th century had developed the smallpox vaccine way ahead that blows my mind mm. One part of this book that I did f- find fascinating was they touch on mental health in a, in a particular chapter in the 1930s, which you can imagine that no one had a, the faintest idea of, uh, about. Um, and, you know, of all these different practices to try and solve someone who's mentally ill, whether it be ADHD or overthinking or whatever it is. And the chapter finished with they had this like shock therapy. Mm. which was called and i don't know how accurate it is this is either but um it was like convolution therapy and anyway she ended up dying from her collarbone broke during the therapy oh, so i was Jesus. just like wow could you imagine i imagine being a husband trying to do everything you can and putting your faith in the, the doctors mm. of, of that you know that era um yeah it's different it's time different time and a different time zone for pete who's he's frozen again so yeah, it's getting late yeah it's late yeah it must be nearly midnight for you pete hey uh, getting on that yeah coming up to uh, 11, o'clock 11 o'clock on the dot 11 o'clock mm. all right um can we can we do you think we could got it within us to do another pod before the uae tour is out let's oh see yeah, if we can manage for it. sure let's do that all right yeah. okay mega good right. to be back boys yeah. good to be back all right cheers guys speak to you soon see ya see ya Bye. catch you later